afternoon, and welcome to uh, Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I'm Father Larry Richards, and today is September the 22nd, 2022. It, today is the 40th anniversary of my father's passing on September 22nd, 1982. So please remember him in your prayers. As we begin, we begin everything in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for your love and for your mercy and for your presence in our lives. We thank you for always being with us, for never leaving us alone. We thank you for the gift of our life when you breathed us into existence. We thank you for our salvation. When Jesus died on the cross, Father, we ask you that we would always be people of hope by looking to you, by trusting in you, by knowing that you see the end and that you make all things work together for good as you promised in Romans 8, 28. May we trust in that promise. We beg you these things. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And so today uh, we begin, that's the last, uh, no, we have one more week in uh, September, huh? And so, uh, as most of you should know by now, if you've been uh, go if you watch my mass and that I have been sick with gallbladder issues. Um, they should have taken it out when I was in there, like they were supposed to, but they didn't. And so I have got um, sick and ended up in uh, emergency room again this past Sunday. And I uh, got there at ten thirty. I got into the inner waiting room, sat there for two hours, and I got finally got a room in the emergency room and sat there for two and a half hours, and no one even checked on me. And then when they came in at 3 o'clock in the morning, they said, oh, Father, we forgot you were here. <laughs> I could have been dead. I was in such pain, and it was just ridiculous. And they gave me a pain pill and sent me home. And then I got a sick again, not, not last night by God's grace, but the night before. And so I was uh, begging doctors to see me. So one doctor, my doctor, Jack Yakish, got me in to see the, the doctor that originally uh, didn't do the surgery. And so he said I'd get it done, so I'm waiting to hear, you know, but I had to cancel all kinds of stuff. Last night I was supposed to be in Minneapolis, and tomorrow uh, for Saturday I was supposed to be in Hartford, so I had to cancel all this stuff because um, I'm afraid of getting sick in these places like I have been. It's a great pain. It's just been crazy. And I have to be open for uh, getting this emergency surgery. So I just ask you to continue as you all have been doing, is praying for me. I have another guy saying the masses, and uh, we weren't even sure if I were going to do this today, but I'm feeling okay. Uh, just tired, you know. So uh, the other night I didn't sleep at all. I tried to sleep on my easy chair to, uh, um, it was a little bit less painful, uh, but it still didn't work. And uh, But I have my puppy that keeps me, uh, he is, uh, been keeping me uh, good while I'm sitting there uh, sick. You know, it's one thing when you're sick and you're a celibate, you're all by yourself. There's nobody else uh, there, nobody else to call. There's nobody else, uh, period. So to have a puppy is the greatest thing ever. Gives you at least some, uh, some company so you don't think you're completely alone uh, when you're going through that stuff. Again, I used to be able to call my mother anyway, but now that she's in heaven, I could talk to her about it, but I couldn't talk 
I couldn't hear back from her. Uh, and uh, so it's kind of uh, something. Anyway, so let's move on beyond that. I Again, every time I open my mouth anymore, I feel like Job. So pray this is the season of my life is over soon and we get to a uh, new season. One of the saddest things, they even told me that I'm supposed to walk the Camino on the 3rd uh, of October, which is in less than two weeks. But they said, uh, if I get the surgery, I'm probably not going to be able to go because I could get a uh, blood clot on the plane over to Spain. So I don't know uh, what's going on, but God's will be done. God's will be done. Okay, let's get it right into this today. Hi, Harry. You're always first. Good job. Chris Flanagan, Father Larry, do you have any re recommendations for good Oktoberfest in the Erie, Pennsylvania area? I'm going to get you, Chris. I'm just telling you right now. Next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend, the September 30th, October 1st and 2nd, we have our Oktoberfest. So if you're in the area, Pennsylvania, Cleveland, Buffalo, come on down. We have a fine time. We have uh, a $50,000 grand prize for our raffle or a bmw new 2022 bmw convertible two-seater uh, which is worth i think sixty four thousand dollars uh so you have your option tickets are a hundred dollars and i always tell people it's a uh, donation uh you just go to our website uh, st joe's it's just s-t-j-o-e-s-b-o-l dot org S-T-J-O-E-S-B-O-L dot org. And at the very top of the page, you can order tickets and find out more information. I'll be updating the, now that we're closer, I'll be updating all the bands and the beers and everything else we have in there. Um, so uh, if you want to help out uh, my parish, it would be fantastic. If you come, say hi. Uh, if you can't come, how about uh, getting a ticket? Again, I always say it's a donation to our parish and to the work of my inner city parish, but you might have, the Lord might bless you with a $50,000 uh, or a car uh, for your donation. Uh, but it's not gambling, it's a donation. So don't take it just to win the car, just to do that, uh, win the money. Do it to, to help an inner city parish in Erie, Pennsylvania, and again, the Lord might bless you. But again, do not look at it as gambling. Look at it as a donation. Okay. Chris Walker. Hi, Chris. Sad to hear about your health issues. Uh, me too. You'll be at Oktoberfest. Good. Hopefully, I'll be at Oktoberfest. That's the plan. Uh, but hopefully, they don't push this uh, surgery off. I'm hoping for tomorrow, Saturday, is what I'm hoping for. Uh, but who knows? Uh, any Oktoberfest celebration in Lancaster County? I have no idea. Uh, it's about five hours away from me. And last Sunday, Sister Mary gave me two books to read by Frank Duff. I am struggling to find some time to sit and read. Any thoughts about Frank Duff? Have you heard of him? I have heard of him, but I do not know him. And I, I just know the name, but I have absolutely no idea what he has written. You can still buy car tickets during Oktoberfest. Absolutely correct, unless we sell 3,000. Uh, but right now, I think we have sold 480 tickets. So um, 
Yeah, I think that's about about four eighty five hundred uh, tickets, which is like fifty thousand dollars. So we still haven't even paid for the car yet. So, uh, but it's great odds, people. If that's what you're looking for, is odds. You know, um, five hundred tickets uh, is not many, and the most will sell is three thousand. Last year. I think we sold 1,250 tickets, if I remember correctly. Um, so we probably won't even get near to 3,000 tickets, so your, your chance is pretty darn good. Okay, yeah, but you can buy them all weekend, of course. That's when we sell most of our tickets is during the weekend. Yeah, thanks, Julie, for the blessing. Are all Benedictine monks priests? No. Uh, if not, can they still bless St. Benedict Medal with traditional Latin form? Uh, no, only a priest or a deacon can bless anything. Brothers cannot. And it doesn't have to be, again, if you've heard me say a thousand times, uh, Latin doesn't make anything better. It just doesn't. Um, you can do it in English. You can do it in uh, any language. It's the power of the words, not the power of the language. It's the power of the priest, not the power of the language. It's the power of Jesus, not the power of a language. So if we look at anything at just the language, it becomes idol worship. It's not, uh, it does not in any way have to be. Because again, I have blessed things my whole life as a priest for 33 years, and never once has it been in Latin. And I promise you, it all works okay so just so you know uh i'll give them mercy it's right across the street they were very good to me uh two weeks ago and they were busy but you you at least stop in and see a person and make sure they're okay they did not they came in and apologized and said they forgot about me now if i was in great pain that night and i did offer it up for my parishioners but i i thought yeah, the least they could have done is stuck their head in and says, Father, we'll get to you as soon as we can. But nobody, after I was put in there, did anything for two and a half hours. And that's just uh, for an emergency room and for the money you're paying and for, uh, you know, what they do instantly when you go in the emergency room now is they ask you for your $100 copayment. They bring in the machine and they get that off you before anything else. Things got to change and the way we deal with uh, people in healthcare. Um, so anyway, I'll have mercy, but I just have mercy means they continue to do what they did and they shouldn't be doing that. Okay. And God's will be done, of course. Mark Joyner. Hi, Father Larry. Take care in a couple, take care on a couple of weeks during Oktoberfest until planning comes up to Erie. We are praying for you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, prayers for your father. And I have managed to watch now live chat last week's missed your talks. God love you. Good to have you back. Bruce, I father was talking about Justin Fatika, how he drove you crazy. Can you refresh my memory how you got through that without killing him? I'm dealing with my own 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got pretty close to killing him. That was the whole thing. And so... Um, and I wasn't gentle with him at all. And see, sometimes we think that we always have to be gentle with kids and gentle with others. And um, sometimes Jesus wasn't gentle. I was very hard on him. 
I threw him up against the wall. I called him names. I said, you can't come back into my parish, but I prayed for him. And so the biggest thing is I'd sit in his chair and pray for the conversion of his soul. I'd pray for him during my holy hour. And so the biggest thing you can do for your son is to pray for him. doesn't mean you have to be easy on him, but it does mean you have to pray for him and you have to show him an example of uh, the love of God. And then uh, the only thing that converted Justin Fatika was the retreat when he spent uh, three days with Jesus and he spent time in front of the Blessed Sacrament and God could do great things for him, and he did. But prayer is more powerful than a nuclear bomb. You've got to believe it and know it. Father Larry, this is from Gina Steele. My husband and I were married in a courthouse years ago. We have three kids. I'm a practicing Catholic, and he's not a practicing Catholic. He's Catholic, though, but despises the church. I just found out I'm not supposed to have communion, which I do every Sunday. I need to make this right. I doubt my husband will marry me in the church, though. Yes, you do got to be made it right because you have to be married in the church. Now, if he refuses, he should do it for love of you. And if he does it for love of you, then it should be... um, uh, You know, he should, he should be able to do anything for love of you. Uh, but if he doesn't willing to do that, there's called a radical sanation. And they can go in there, and if he refuses, they can uh, uh, bless your marriage. Uh, it's called a radical sanation. You'll have to ask your pastor about it. But the first thing would be to say, would he do this for you? That's all. Uh, so you can go to communion. And if he loves you, of course, he'll, he should be willing to die for you. So that would be the... Uh, the thing. And as I say this, I have to remember someone uh, from when I was on here last, they didn't like the answer I gave them. And uh, they uh, sent me a text or an email, I don't know, whatever it is, to the thing that, uh, again, which my staff read um, about they didn't like and for me to do better. I still stand by my uh, answer that sometimes the Lord the first spouse of all of our souls is Jesus. It just He just is, whether you're married or not married. And sometimes when we're alone, like I was alone last night, Jesus asked her two nights ago, and well, alone every night, what am I talking about? That it's Jesus who's my spouse. It's Jesus who's the one who has to be first in my life always. And it's he who have to take who takes care of me and is beside me. And so sometimes that goes. Now, again, if someone just lost someone, um, that's what gives me comfort. So if that doesn't give you comfort, I'm sorry. Um, but again, with it comes to your spouse, they're alive and they see the face of God and you have to deal with them as they are. So again, when I went back and I uh, re-looked at that, I stand by what I said. Uh, now again, I'm not going to make everybody happy. I get it. Um, and you don't have to like my answers. I get it. But to... Uh, you know, just to say, I can do better, you know, or go do better. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can, ma'am. That's all I can tell you. I'm doing the best I can. And again, uh, I'd stand by the same answer I'd give to anybody, and I've used it for many, uh, many years. Okay, here we go. Are you behind in time, Juliet? Okay, Steve. Hi, Steve. Jeez, can't believe it was taking this long to get your gallbladder out. Don't they just do it laparoscopically? Yes, it's a 30-minute job, right? Yes. Um, 
and it was the same guy who should have taken it out uh, two weeks ago. I was in the hospital. They admitted me just to have my uh, thing out. I was fasting already. I was already to go to surgery, and the surgeon says, no, I think it will, you don't need to get that out because they didn't even do the uh, uh, sonogram yet. Um, so we eat and everything else, and then they says, we think, and the guy, the surgeon says, I think you had... Uh, um, Food poisoning. Well, it sure didn't turn out to be food poisoning, but I keep thinking I'm going to put myself in the hospital next thing and make them do it while I'm there. You know, I just don't, uh, I just can't imagine. I know everybody's busy, but I have a friend in Florida. He has a doctor who will do it to me tomorrow if I fly down to Florida. Um, and they can do it in Pittsburgh. I just can't imagine they can't do it in Erie faster than they're doing it. It's very uh, disheartening. Um, and to me, like even when I was in the hospital, the second time it was kind of like it's no big deal. And it's a very big deal when you're in the midst of it. And it was a very big deal. And uh, yeah, so who knows? Yes, Julie, we'll pray for your sister. Thanks for being concerned. Thank you. Okay. My mom had her gallbladder out in her early 80s when they didn't have laparoscopic surgery. She feels free, I'm sure. And they says uh, because the way the gallbladder is, they're not sure it'll come out laparoscopically, so they might have to cut me. And if they cut me, then I'll have a longer thing in the hospital. So let's hope not. Okay, let's go on. Yesterday, my devout Catholic friend came back from a weekend retreat with Father Jim Blout, and she is on fire with warnings for loved ones about three days of darkness. Here we go. She said they were told demons will be all over the place. If we open the windows, we'll die. If we hear our children's voices outside the door, we can't open it because it's demons trying to trick us and they'll kill us. We have to have less candles for light. This sounds horrifying. Is it true? I read it's all in the Bible. Oh, that's garbage. What should we be doing about this is anything. Nothing. It's garbage. It's these nuts that try to force you into being afraid of everything. Jesus said fear is useless. What is needed is trust. Jesus, who is God, said fear is useless. So this is all fear. It's useless. It's useless. It's useless. And anyone who tries to fear you into a relationship with Christ are not of God. Who uses fear? The evil one uses fear. So when everybody talks about this garbage, it's garbage. If this is who God is, who wants to follow him? God who came and died for your sins on the cross, that's who God is. He's not one if you hear your children's voices outside the window. Don't you let them in because there'll be demons that kill you. Really? And again, if they kill you, then you get to go to heaven if you're in a state of grace. So don't be afraid of getting killed. We know this by the martyrs. But this three days of darkness garbage is enough, is enough, is enough. People are nuts because what does it do? It keeps you focused on self and it keeps you focused on being selfish. So if someone comes knocking on the door, you're not to go out and help anyone, right? Because they could be a demon. Is Jesus Christ would open that door, I promise you he would. And he would die for the sins of the people who are outside. 
And so anything that keeps you in fear, anything that keeps you selfish and more concerned about your salvation than the salvation of everybody else is not of God. I stand by this 100% completely. I don't care what websites take this up and start telling me that I'm not of God. This is not the official teaching of the Catholic Church. And if it's not the official teaching of the Catholic Church, do not follow it. Period, comma, end of all paragraphs. I would not even be Catholic, Sharon, if this is what we believed. I would not even be Catholic if that is what we believed. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I get crazy over this because too many people buy into this type theology. It keeps them focused on themselves. They never talk about the poor. The only time Jesus Christ ever talked about who goes to hell is the people who don't take care of the poor. I mean, again, read it yourself. This isn't the Bible. This is Jesus Christ, the one who will stand, will stand before on judgment day. He says, I was hungry and you gave me no food. Get out of my sight. You condemned to the everlasting fire prepared to the devil and his angels. I would be more concerned about what that said than what every seer any time ever says. I don't care what seer said it, what saint said it. The saints are not God and they don't take the place of the teaching of the Holy Roman Catholic Church, period. And that's not the teaching of the church. So, sorry. Sharon, you have another question. Ah, thank you for <laughs> getting me crazy. I love how frequently defend our Holy Father. Thank you. I am feeling confused, though. The other day I was listening to a nun's podcast. She was criticizing Pope Francis for some things he said, the things he hasn't said or done, which made me wonder, what if the Pope was doing really bad things? Should people criticize him? If the Pope is truly bad, would critics be prophets or heretics? If he... We've had bad popes before, and, but they were all morally evil, meaning they had uh, uh, children outside of wedlock, they had mistresses, the Borgia popes were some bad popes, but the Lord always preserved all even the bad popes from, popes from teaching heresy. So if we did have a heretical pope, then Christ is a liar. Then the, the gates of hell have uh, prevailed against the church. And I believe Jesus more than I believe all these nutcases. Just because it was a nun, just like I've said, there are priests out there that just wrote against the Holy Father, uh, and that doesn't make them of God. It makes them disobedient, prideful, arrogant, miserable Catholics who give everybody a bad name. Now, is that a judgment on my part? Yes, it is. Is that a judgment on their part against the Pope? Yes, it is. God has forbidden us to judge. We can only judge actions. Now, when part of the teaching of the church is, is no one can judge the Pope. It says canonically, they put their own salvation at risk if they do that. And so these people, and there's uh, Catholic uh, shows that do this. There are a lot of the Catholic speakers um, who a lot of them were converts who have won it's against the Pope. But I don't trust any of them because they do what they do for money. Now they, they, they make money on preaching and they won't do it for less than a certain amount of money and they will only, and uh, they get a lot of publicity and people will go by them. But when you're making money going against the Pope, again, I promise you, a hundred years from now, Francis will be a saint and these other people will be forgotten or listed as heretics. Because what's happened, when you go against the Pope, you're no longer Catholic, as you've all heard me say again and again. So, and you can see the fruit of these people. Again, you can see the fruit. It instills division in the church and problems, and so, I'm sorry. Let's go back. 
I meant America as I live in London. Chris, I love London. Um, Chris, Father Larry, I know we must forgive everyone, but my ex-son-in-law is in prison. He is there for hurting my daughter and his children. I can forgive him as long as he is in jail, but if he gets out, I will not be so forgiving. Forgiving does not mean you let people hurt you. doesn't mean you let them back in your life uh, to hurt you or your family again. Forgiving them is doing what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus, I forgive them, and I ask you to forgive them. It's act of the will. So if you can uh, do that, because we must for our own salvation. When Jesus was being killed, he forgave the people that were killing him. Um, But for his children, he doesn't want, like, for him to come back into your life and hurt your daughter and to hurt your grandchildren. You must do everything in your power to stop that. That's separate from forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of the will. I forgive them, and I ask you to forgive them. If you do that, then the rest can, uh, the rest God will take care of. Praying for your health. Thank you, Mary. Uh, my family, all Catholic, believe when someone's cremated, the ashes can be divided or spread. I struggle to convince them otherwise. What do you suggest? Um, of course, you can be cremated. You just can't have your ashes divided. Uh, the best thing to do is the, the Vatican, oh, about two years ago, put a whole thing out in cremation and explains what you can and cannot do, is to download the document. Just put Vatican... Vatican document on cremation in Google, and uh, you can uh, give it to them. This is what the official teaching of the church is. Uh, prayers for the operation. Thank you. I call your gallbladder to function perfectly. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And God can do that absolutely. Um, but he can also use the doctors. But I wish the doctors, uh, I don't. I just don't get it. Anyway. I don't see any any likes on the uh, the little thumbs up. So if you're on your thing right now, if you'd put some likes on there, that would help our watchmakot there. Zero likes. Gosh, have mercy. So uh, there's 70 people on here. So we should have 70 likes on there, I would imagine. <laughs> so anyway, I just saw that. I never looked, but uh, when I was like, oh, zero likes. Okay. Um, let's go on. Even Jesus do not know the time or place, but some priests do know it, huh? Yes. He said lovingly and gently, I know. As you can tell, uh, I'll never be one of those saints that was uh, known for being uh, gentle. Um, My buddies always call me a a mix between John the Baptist and uh, St. Paul. I'll take it as long as I'm doing God's will. Do you have a favorite Padre Pio story? I do. Well, there's a couple of them. One is when someone came to confession to him, and they says, Father, I don't believe in hell. He said, you will when you get there. Ooh. <laughs> like, ooh. Another thing is he it was harsh on somebody. Another brother came to him and says, Padre, you offended that person. And Padre Pio said, I wanted to offend that person. So it's kind of like, oh. So... Uh, I can relate with him in some ways. I think that um, sometimes we make Jesus tiptoe through the tulips. We make him ultra gentle, and he wasn't. And neither were the saints. Uh, Sometimes they said hard things. And again, when I say hard things, 
Uh, sometimes they're selfish, sometimes they're 100% me, and sometimes they're very sinful. But a lot of times they are of God, and they're trying to challenge people to go beyond, uh, like when I did earlier today, trying to scare people into the faith. Jesus himself said through the apostle John that perfect love casts out fear. And love is not yet perfect in those who are afraid. And if the only reason you follow Jesus is because you're afraid of the three nights of darkness, you're doing it out of fear, and it's a selfish reality. It's all about you. And if you look at the crucifix, again and again I talk about there is nothing about Jesus on that cross. And then Jesus commands us, his only commandment, love one another as I have loved you. So this is what Jesus calls us to do. So we must look at what Jesus says again. We must read the scriptures. We must immerse ourselves in God's holy word. We must explicitly hear what Jesus says to us and we must live it is what we must do. We must live God's holy will. We can't get caught up in all these things. You know, people are like Protestants, Catholics, or oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming the moment you drop dead. Huh? Three weeks ago, he died, uh, when my sister died of a heart attack, Jesus came right at that moment. That's when Jesus is coming. Don't worry about three days of darkness in the future. Worrying about loving God and loving people today. So if the days of darkness or whatever comes, it's okay. You've always given away your life for others. And you can continue. Okay? And they can use stories from the Old Testament. But again, those Old Testament stories are without the grace of Christ. Because Christ did not come and died and paid for our sins. Okay. Joy. There are many people who, what about the Latin mass ban? I hope, I love Pope France and I pray for him. Good. So, I was at doctor's office. One of the employees came in and he's been money out of going. Praying for your health. My husband has been dreaming of his dead relatives. He said they tell him it's his time to go. No, it could be, but again, um, we should be living our life in such a way that any day is okay to be the last one. If we're loving God and we're loving people, and we're doing God's will, then there's no big thing to be afraid of when we finally get called home. Uh, like I've talked about before, for whatever reason in these last year and a half, Ever since I had diabetic ketosis and all these other things, it's kind of like uh, I've had to face my mortality again and again. But it hasn't scared me, which I always thought would scare the heck out of me when I was younger. But it's just, after all these years of being with Jesus and knowing that he died for my sins, knowing that before I was ever born, he knew every sin I would ever commit, and yet he still created me, he still loved me, he still called me to be his own, that he will take care of me forever. That's not presumption, that's trust. Presumption is I can do anything I want and God will sit there and doesn't matter, he's going to take care of me. 
Trust is, if I keep doing his will, I know he'll be faithful to his word. It's all about him. It's not about me. So it's just important. Do not be afraid. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It scares me sometimes. I pray for, pray for them and souls in purgatory. Can dreams reveal something? It can. It has in the scriptures and that. But a, a dreams can also be um, a talking about deeper things that have nothing to do. Like often um, when people, it's just talking about how, like I often will be dreaming of my grandmother and different things throughout the years. And it just shows, too, the desire uh, and the missing of them. So he can just miss them. Again, uh, who knows whether it really means he's being called home. I wouldn't worry about it, though. Tom, I'm sure he doesn't seem, he seems like you're more afraid of it than he is. But anyway, so don't worry. Okay. Carol, I stopped watching WM because some of the people in EWTN were constantly criticizing the Pope. That's exactly why I don't watch it anymore. And I was on it, and I still am on it on Saturday nights with Dr. A. The people of EWTN are fantastic people. Um, Jack Williams, all of them are just good, good people. Uh, there's some of them that, uh, like, I would never watch the world over. I do not think in any way, shape, or form uh, the people that are on that show are of God. They criticize the Pope almost every week, and they're so proud about it, especially the priest. He took a vow of obedience, but he sure doesn't live it. He obeys what he believes is most important. And he's completely lost his way. So you got to pray for all of them. Pray for their conversion. Um, but the reality is uh, a person who has humble will always sit there and second guess themselves. and always say, am I really doing God's will? A person who's arrogant and think that they are completely right is almost always out of God's will. So um, that's my biggest thing. But again, most EWTN people are fantastic people. I love them, and I loved being with them. I'm really, um, yeah, I'm really sad I'm not with them anymore. Okay. Those 13 likes. Well, I still don't see any likes. I don't know what happened there. Like, like, the likes are increasing now. Good job. Uh, there you go. Father, do you think we need a revival for the sacrament of confession before we have our Eucharistic revival? I think they should go hand in hand. Um, we'll just see. God is God, and God knows what's best for the church. Um, even Eucharistic revival, we need, really, I believe, for even that to happen, we need retreats in that. We need experiences for people to get to know Jesus. We need, like... Uh, like they do, like we used to do in America, and they still do it. I spoke in Ireland a couple of years ago where they have these weekend, um, uh, used to be uh, Eucharist 2000 or something, where they have the Blessed Sacrament exposed and all the kids coming around, and they have this intense experience of uh, Jesus and the Eucharist. Those are the type of things I think we need in America, not just for youth, but for people to spend weekends, and that'd be a, a fantastic thing to do because 
you, to fall in love with anybody, you have to spend time. To fall in love with Jesus, you have to spend time. And to spend a whole weekend in front of Jesus and the Most Blessed Sacrament is one of the most fantastic things we could ever do. So I think we need more of that type stuff, okay? Okay, my mother passed away a few months ago. Praying with her was a great help for her and I, for her pain and her ultimate passing. Praying is the most important thing. So let's go on here. I, Father Larry, I have two questions. In a rosary booklet I have under the second sorrowful mystery, the meditation says, I desire a spirit of mortification. I thought you once said that this is not God's desire for us. What role, if any, does mortification play in our spiritual life? Well, it was a misunderstanding then. Mortification, I think, is fantastic as long as it, again, like I fast, right? So when I fast, if I just focus on fasting, like, oh, look at all the things I'm doing for God, that kind of mortification is not of God. But if I'm mortifying myself and I'm doing it for somebody else, meaning, so I'm fasting today for my parish, if you will, or I'm fasting a day for my uh, men's ministry I do, or I'm fasting a day for someone who needs converted, then mortification is fantastic because it's now emptying you of you so God can fill you more with himself. And again, Jesus died on the cross, mortified himself ultimately for salvation for us. It's just mortification that keeps us focused on self, that I'm saying is not good. So when we're doing mortification, we do it for the good of the church, for the building up of the church, for the healing of the church, for the salvation of others. We don't waste uh, this stuff on ourselves. Uh, and again, there's some people that think they're holy, holy, and they like to mortify for, for themselves. Well, again, I'm telling you, it's not going to help them grow in holiness. It's going to help them grow in pride because look at all the things I do for God instead of look at all the things God has done for me. And remember the example of that is the Blessed Mother. She didn't mortify herself and tell the world, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. She took all the world from this day, all generations will call me blessed for the Almighty who has done great things. The might, all the Almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He didn't, she didn't say, look at me, but all people will call me blessed, she said. Why? Because God has done great things for me. Again, it always everything we do got to point to God and got to help others. Again, point to God and help others. Point to God and help others. Um, holiness is a byproduct of love of God and love of others. It's not something you do uh, so you can get holy. The Pharisees did that. They did stuff so they could appear to be holy. And Jesus said they were whitened sepulchers because their hearts weren't converted. Huh? So hopefully that helps. Also, what's the, what is the name of the rescue organization you got your pup from? Joe is from Anna Shelter in Erie. Uh, they have uh, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of dogs. The other day I asked them how many dogs they had in the shelter, and they said 70. I go, 70, for goodness sakes. Um, and they brought in like 35 or 55. I can't remember the number of the beagles uh, where they had 2,000 beagles and uh, that's a couple of weeks ago, but the Santa Shelter in Erie, they're very, very good. Fantastic uh, group of people. So if you need a dog uh, or want to help a dog, go to Anna Shelter. They're fantastic. Okay. Sorry to ask this. We're in the Bible that says that we can have girl altar servers. 
It doesn't say it anywhere in the Bible. Pope John Paul II, the uh, great, said we could have girl altar servers. So nowhere in the Bible is anything about altar servers. It's not there. You know, it has nothing about altar servers, period. It's a, it's a church law. And so Pope John Paul, the great, the saint, said we could have girl altar servers. If you can have women handing out the most blessed sacrament, you can have them bringing over the chalice at the Mass. And again, there's people who don't like that. I get it. But again, we only do what the church says, not what our opinion is, not what our theology is, not what my uh, likes are. Again, it's about the whole church, not about me and my opinions or my little group of people who have these opinions. You know, and again, there are people who say they, we shouldn't have them. Okay, they're not, not, they're not the authority of the church. We always submit ourselves under the authority of the church, even when we disagree. That's what obedience and humility is. <laughs> if we only do what we like, then there's no obedience there, right? We're doing what we like. And as long as the church agrees with that, that's why people went crazy over Francis. They loved John Paul II and Benedict because they did, uh, these people preached what these people liked. And as soon as, and they said, you will obey the Pope no matter what, he's the Pope. But as soon as we got a Pope that doesn't agree with them, no, you don't have to obey the Pope. I mean, the hypocrisy is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, who am I? People aren't going to listen uh, to me no matter what. So I want to keep doing what I'm doing and making sure I'm in my heart of hearts doing God's will. And again, if anything I speak is not God's will, may God convict me of it. So I will easily change my mind because I don't know everything. Of course I don't. But I'm going to keep speaking what I believe is from God as long as he uh, gives me peace about it. And as soon as he says, I want you to do something different or that's not what I want, then I will change in an instant. Okay. So that's what it is. Chris, my mother's aunt, was a nun a few days before she died in 97. My mom was visiting her and sister named several people who visited her earlier that day, of which were dead relatives. Of course, it's happened many times. Pat Wilson, I left the church and I was a member. I left the church I was a member of because the priest was just so liberal. I love the parish I am now in, but I feel guilty for how I feel about my former priest. I find it hard to pray for him. You know, the problem with a liberal priest is the same as an ultra-conservative priest is they want to do things their way and they want the church to be things their way. So they, uh, they don't do as they're told. I always say I'm not liberal and I'm not conservative. I'm orthodox. Orthodox means I'll do anything the church says. Um, I practice, you know, again, um, I try to always be faithful to the church and its teaching. And um, so, again, you got to pray for priests because I think the biggest problem with all priests is me, especially first, is pride. Uh, we got to do it our way. And when we become pastors, it's even worse. We got to do it our way. Um, and so often, uh, in the midst of things, I'm like, okay, what's the way we're going to do things? And then when I'm later praying, the Lord says to me, like, uh, I didn't, I didn't want you to do it that way. And then again, in the church, I've been pastor at 20 years. I've changed my mind on a lot of things. Um, I have, we used to have, we have to bring them back again as uh, um, four times a year uh, town hall meetings. And so people would give me um, 
their views of where we should be going or what we should be doing. I'd give them mine and we'd have a dialogue about it. Because I really believe that you gotta be able to listen to people, especially parishioners. Now some people at my parish think that I'm uh, hard. Um, but if you, if, if you come and fight with me, then I fight back. I'm just a Pittsburgher. Uh, if you come and talk to me, then we can talk about all kinds of stuff. And again, when I have my town hall meetings, I say, as long as you're respectful, then we'll dialogue about it. If you get nasty to me, then I can be strong back. I just can. Because I think that sometimes people think being a follower of Jesus makes you weak. I think it makes you strong. And uh, so... But again, no. So you have to pray for them, that we, that we all do God's will. That's all. Just pray for him that he would do and come to know God and God's will. Okay. She mentioned Theodore. My mom said, oh, no, Ted, senior. No, your family. Your father's silly. <laughs> See, there you go. I fold, Okay. Carmen, it's, I'm amazing that the Bible says 365 times a phrase, do not be afraid. One per day. I've taught that most of my priesthood, then I found out I was wrong about that. It says it many times, but not exactly 365 times because I've looked it up and I've tried to prove it a million times because you'll find a lot of my early stuff, I say that because that's what someone had told me and I just took it up, but then I looked it up and I haven't found it. But he does say many, 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 many hundreds of times, be not afraid, absolutely. Okay. I'm not an expert, just a simple lay person. That's good, Julie. We all need to be, no one here is an expert, yeah? So, but we're, we can all try to study the teaching of the church. And I've been in this now for most of my life. I entered seminary at 17. And I'm still reading, I'm still studying, I'm still doing all this, and I'm 62. So uh, we keep going. Harry, I had a smile. A sister was upset. That in my old church, we had women readers. She said, let women be silent in the church after the sing, sisters sang the hymn, the psalm. Ho-hum. <laughs> Boy, that's unusual for a nun to say that. Father Larry, go to Minneapolis. Go to the ER there. I'm betting you you would get surgery done there. No delay. I know I should have. Well, I was supposed to be there last night speaking. Um. Prayers for my husband and for our family and prayers for our parish school and Farmers Beat, Farmers Branch, Texas. Sunshine, I heard conflicting statements about the end of our life. Some say that God will come to a soul three times. Others say that's not true. What is the official teaching of the church? The official teaching is we go before God. Uh, St. Faustina, again, I haven't been able to back this up, um, but a tradition with Sister Faustina is that Jesus says he'll appear to a soul three times and beg it to receive his mercy before it sends a soul to hell. But again, even my greatest devotion is to divine mercy is not official teaching in the church. Everything Faustina said, I love, but not official teaching of the church. The official teaching of the church is when you die, you go to particular judgment and then you go to final judgment. Um, that's the teaching of the church. Okay, peace call on your prayers, respect priests, pray always. You're okay for a Steelers fan, go Browns, pagan. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't call women pagans, but uh, I would be very close for that. We all know why the Browns are brown. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, who, who am I? Um, I am 60, two years younger than me there, Julie. 
Nancy, can a baptized Catholic who is non-practicing Catholic for many years prior to death have a, a Catholic mass? Yes, they can. Uh, you can always have. I have Catholic masses. I had a cat. I have today on the anniversary of my father. He died a Protestant. And I had a mass for my dad today. Um, the day we can't use the sacrament with Christ on the cross for all people would be a sad day. Jesus died on the cross for everybody. 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 So, of course, we can say mass for anybody. Anybody anybody okay my husband alec has cancer diabetes and kidneys disease we'll pray for him uh for alec hello from widgeway hope you feel better soon me too <laughs> please yeah, i don't know why it only comes on at night in the daytime i'm pretty good usually yesterday since i was up the night before literally all night i was in bed most of the day and last night i went to bed to 8 30 and i slept this morning till uh um, like a seven o'clock, seven thirty, which is I'm usually up at four, three fifty-five. But trying to get caught up with all this stuff. What do you wear around your neck? I know a brown scapular, miraculous medal. Anything else? I do have a um, a cap. Of course, I wear the miraculous medal. I wear the scapular. I wear a little a crucifix on it, a Saint Benedict medal. Miraculous metal right there. And then I have this um, this crucifix I wear, which you won't be able to see. You can see part of it. You know, when I, and again, uh, we still have room open for anybody that wants to come to the Holy Land. Go to uh, Select Tours International, Select International, and you can go to the Holy Land. We leave on May 10th. But anyway, when I was there three or four years ago, with we had two busloads and we had to find time. I was working out that morning. I was in Bethlehem at the hotel, and we were leaving right after. So I, I went and worked out, and I, was, I took a shower before we got back in the bus. And when I got in the bus halfway back to the Holy Land, I mean to the Jerusalem, I, I had lost my, uh, I left my metal back that I had worn since I was in high school. It was a Matthew 25 cross. Uh, it says, whatever you do, the least my brothers do unto me on the back, and then the front was a, the cross. And it was always a great reminder, but I have to treat other people the way I would treat Jesus because I have problems with that, as I've said again and again. But anyway, so um, I was all upset, and I'm really, and we call back, and they say, oh, it's not there, which means someone stole it because I knew exactly where it was. But anyway, uh, and the Lord said, now stop it. I'll give, you, give it to you a new one in Jerusalem where I died. Okay, Lord. And I was just a little irritated, but, you know, again, trusting God that he had a better plan. So when I got to uh, Jerusalem, but before we got there, we had stopped at the place where uh, they, they had found the Dead Sea Scrolls and everything else and the, the, the place that had done it. Anyway, while I'm in Jerusalem, we're at dinner one night and this fantastic family uh, came up to me and this little girl, you know, was a doctor and his wife and this little girl from Australia, fantastic people. And uh, she says, uh, Father, look, at we got you a, a, a gift. And I said, oh, what's you getting me? Oh, would you open it now? And I did. When I opened up the box, it came to this, um, this crucifix. And the thing about this crucifix, what makes it so unbelievable, is this part of the crucifix, the little brown part, you can 
hardly see it's it's covered in gold and the side has been put into a gold thing but this was placed into the holy sepulcher uh, by saint helena oh almost 2000 years ago not quite 1500 years ago after she found the true cross and the, the place where um, after she found that she had there's these little um, crosses that were made and they put them in a box and it said uh, Helena and they put them in the place of the Holy Sepulchre. The Holy Sepulchre is where Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so they found them uh, about a hundred, last time they opened up the Holy Sepulchre. And so this guy had him and he said, two of these of course are in the Vatican Museum. But they had a couple of them at this person and they rent and did it and they put it in gold and uh, they gave it to me. It was so beautiful because it's a relic that was in the Holy Sepulcher. And, and then my, uh, one of the people that were with me sat there and says, Father, you know that's very, they spent a lot of money for that. And I go, oh, come on. They spent $9,000 for that. And I go, oh, jeez. And so I went crazy. But I said, well, if I ever get to be a bishop, I, I know I have my cross already. But it's the, the biggest thing about it was is that God honored and told me that he'd get he'd replaced my cross and he did with a fantastic thing so i constantly wear it um always so that's what i wear around my neck so just so you know but again the people that did it fantastic people not because of the cost but because of what it was about and what it symbolized okay one more thing from here Hello, Father. Are, are ghosts demons? Are they all demons? Thanks, Gina Marie. Well, there are demons and there might be ghosts. I'm not uh, sure, but of course we know that we have ghosts. Um, and this has come off. So, anyway, almost done here anyway. So, uh, let's go on here. Do, do, do. We had mass said for my father-in-law. He believed in Christ but was not Catholic. It's been 20 years. A priest once told me that at the end of life, we choose to run to God or run away from him. That makes sense to me. Uh, it says, it was the episode about this topic that was the catalyst. So thank you, Father Larry. Uh, yeah, how much? Gallbladder disease can be worse at night because you are laying down and changes happen physically when you're sleeping also. Well, there you go. Thanks for that, Carmen. After being married to my husband 51 years and him going to Mass with me every Sunday and not being Catholic, he's now going to RCIA. God bless him. We will, Pat. Gotta go. Hi, saw you today. That one man had stolen an apple, maybe a peach or something else from the street shop. He just passed through. They took one. Then one got from the shop, saw him, and told him something. I felt some guilt. Am I guilty of something? Maybe or I was silent for a sin. I'm scrupulous. Yes, you are. Uh, God will take care of it. Don't worry. Okay. I got to get people. Uh, so thank you for being with me. 
Uh, we'll be here, God willing, next week unless I get my surgery that day. Again, who knows when I'm going to get surgery? No idea, no idea, no idea. Pray it happens as soon as possible. Pray they can get it all lapis, laparoscopically and they don't have to cut me open. But, but whatever, uh, whatever God wills, whatever God wills, whatever God wills. Know that I'm praying for you and I love you and I beg you to please pray for me. God bless you and in the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come to Oktoberfest. If not, give a donation to the parish. It will help a lot. Thank you very much.